0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of Emanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. I'm thankful for his presence on my life. Uh, last week I started talking about the anointing. And uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the anointing today. Um, one of the things I, I I always want to be able to communicate uh, what God is really saying, and sometimes in Christian circles, we'll pick up a word like anointing and we'll use it even beyond what the scripture may be intends it to be does that make sense and so when I use a word like that it's quite possible that you hear you've been exposed to a thought or idea or a teaching on it and you've been exposed to something else and so lots of times I'll say something about the presence of God or the power of God or the Holy Spirit but you know that's what the anointing is it's what was Jesus anointed with with the Holy Spirit and with power right so even in the old testament we looked at it last week you know when they would pour the oil on somebody to anoint them to be king over israel or something while that oil's going on the spirit of god is coming on them it's the spirit of god that we're anointed with it's it's the presence of god it's the holy spirit working in your life and in my life and in our church and i'm thankful for the anointing are you so i want to talk about that today um If you guys don't let me forget, I just want to get into the word. Please don't let me forget to take up an offering and give announcements at the end of service, okay? Who's going to be responsible for that? Crystal. Thank you, Crystal. Crystal, she raised her hand, so she's on it. So uh, if you would, though, just uh, go with me to Matthew chapter uh, chapter 9, verse 37. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few come on i've I've had a garden before. I grew up in Nebraska. We've always had gardens. I know some of you guys farm and plant gardens. Don't you love going out there when it's harvest time and just seeing all the the fruit in your garden, man? I mean as a kid, we'd even complain when our garden was too plentiful. Why because that meant work. Cause you know, you only have a certain amount of time to bring in the harvest before, you know, it's the bugs get to it or it gets overripe or whatever, but man, <laughs> the harvest is plentiful and, and Jesus is, you know, looking around at the, the, um, uh, it was the Samaritans there in this particular context. And he's saying, look at the harvest, it's plentiful. And I guess those people who kind of knew a little bit about farming are probably thinking, whoa, that means some work. <laughs> are you ready for some work? Come on, there's a harvest out there in the field, but we're going to have to work to bring it in. It's not going to bring itself in, is it? That's one thing about a harvest. You have to go out there and get it. And you don't have forever. And so when we see this, uh, I mean, just be ready. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Get ready for some work because the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I think this is so neat. Is What he's saying is, The problem is not with the harvest. It's a bumper crop out there. It's ready. It's ripe. It's fallen off the vine. The problem is I need laborers. And I just don't need any laborers. What I need is I need people who can minister like Jesus can minister. Okay. What we have is the problem is there's very few people who can function like Jesus. And what we need to bring in this harvest is a multiplication, a duplication of the ministry of Jesus himself the anointed one. The problem is not the harvest. You know, the church is often focused on the harvest, praying for the lost and and whatever. But I'm just saying the, the we think the problem is out there. The problem's in here. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the problem. <laughs> Maybe don't be too eager for that. Okay, point at yourself. Come on, I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm the problem. I need to be pushed out into the field. Right, and I mean, you look up that word uh, "thrust into the harvest." It's a it's a word. It talks about being pushed with clear direction, straight line to your goal. It's not a wandering around for for you know decades or years until you finally feel holy enough to go speak to somebody. It's go now. The need is great. It's rotting on the vine. We've got to go. So the problem is is right here. (laughs) You know, the world may be actually more responsive to the gospel than you and I realize. Cause, cause what we're seeing, uh, I mean, come on, you guys got to know how many of you guys ever do social media? You know, you put the best pictures up. <laughs> You know you fake it. (laughs) You don't put them up if they're bad, right? Everything we see out there in the world, in media and online, it's not the reality that people are experiencing. They come out there and they hold themselves and they, they act like, you know, and they'll argue like what they're doing is the best thing and it fulfills them and completes them. But you don't know that they're in there just broken and hurting when they're all alone, looking for somebody to bring a real Jesus to them, right? Maybe the world just hasn't heard the gospel yet, or maybe when they hear it, it's just so packed up, you know, with legalism, traditionalism, denominationalism, and all the other isms that we can throw on it that they just can't even find the gospel. You know, have you ever, um, have you ever ordered like a replacement part or something and it comes in like a big box of styrofoam peanuts? You know what I'm talking? And you have to dig and like, is there another part in there? We got a drum set one time. I mean, it was a box this big electronic drum set. So, you know, it's mostly space, filled with peanuts, man. And they forgot to send the power supply, which, you know, is this big, right? So what am I doing? I'm digging through this box of peanuts looking for that thing. You know, how much junk have we packaged in that little gospel nugget that we give? when Everybody has to dig through just to find some reality of Jesus Christ in our life. Wouldn't it be awesome if they could just bump into Jesus first and not all the stuff we packaged him in? Think about it. and you know, God knows what he's doing. He knows how to He really knows how to win people. If we would stick with his plan. We all want a plan and a formula and we all come up with strategies and marketing principles and all of these kinds of things, right? But come on, Jesus really knows how to go and touch a heart and win people. He knows what his Holy Spirit will cooperate with. He knows what that person is facing when they're all alone at night and they're crying out. He knows. You don't know, I don't know, but he knows. And so it's time we get in with his program. Amen. See, Jesus wants to equip you and me to be able to handle the needs of people around us, but we've got to be sensitive to what he's doing. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We don't have enough workers that can do Christ-like ministry. Say Christ-like. We need to do Christ-like ministry. You know, we don't, this time of year, um, you know, it's, we're, we're looking at our annual calendar and we're making plans and, you know, we're doing the finances for the church and uh, and we're getting ready to do our annual business meeting and all these kinds of things. So we're thinking about our structure and our organization and that's good. We need some of that. But I just want to tell you, the world is not dying out there for lack of organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. We're really good at organizing. The church is really good at getting things in order and organizing and, and uh, you know, having the little cards to fill out when you come in here, first-time visitor and all those that kinds of, and having all this, we're good at that. But can we really be Jesus to people? Can we really do Christ-like ministry? Because if we can't do that, what in the world are we organizing? The world's not dying for a lack of organizing. It's dying because we don't look, speak, act, and talk like Jesus, So we need a multiplication of Jesus's ministry. In this church, we need to see more people who can function and do the works of Jesus. And that's what exactly what the anointing will do for us. That's why we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He never said you can do it on your own. But when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he said to Saul, you will become a different man and you will prophesy. And when the Holy Spirit came on Peter on the day of Pentecost, you remember what happened? It wasn't very long before he was denying Jesus. And now he's standing up bold as a lion, articulating the very first sermon preached in the church. The first evangelistic message preached to the world, man. Because of the anointing, because of the Holy Spirit. Many churches, you know, they're, they're focused on praying for the lost. We say we need to pray for the lost. And I think we should pray for the lost. But Jesus is telling us here not to pray for the lost, but to pray for the laborers. To pray for the laborers. The lost are not the problem. Come on, somebody say, the lost are not the problem. The problem is the laborers need to be thrust out into the harvest field. And so we need to be aware of the anointing that, you, that we carry. Come on, we're anointed. You're anointed, right? The Bible calls us Christians. What's the word Christ mean? Christ is anointed one, right? You know, Jesus, the word Jesus, his name means saved. Why didn't he call us Jesus sins? Jesus sins. Jesusites. I don't know. Christians! We're supposed to be carrying and, and, and continuing his ministry, walking in his anointing. Amen. Amen. So today I've got some quotes. I just, I just had fun looking up some of the famous preachers, what they said about the anointing of God. And I'm just going to have some fun reading these. If you want to remember them, you either have to ask me for the notes or get your phone out and take pictures of the screen when I put them up. Okay. But Jim Simbla how I many of you guys know Jim Simbla? Love Jim Simbla. We've talked, we've studied some of his, his, uh, material here. He says, God nowhere asks anyone to have a large church. I'm sorry I made that really small didn't I? Well, you guys will have to zoom in on your phones. God nowhere asks anyone to have a small a large church. He only asks calls us to do his work, proclaiming his word to people he loves under anointing power of the Holy Spirit to produce results that only he can bring about. Isn't that good? Doesn't matter if you're big church, small church, a single person, a family, wherever you're at, if you're around a lot of people, if you're around a little people, what we're supposed to do is carry that anointing wherever we go and, and be Jesus to in the world that we're find ourselves in. Amen. And, you know, leave the results to him. In Galatians 4, 19, Paul is talking to the Galatians and he says, my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth. So he's doing one of those, you know, what people call those birthing prayers, right? And I'm not going to comment on that. Like some of you ladies would say, what in the world does Paul know about childbirth? <laughs> that's fair enough. But he's in here, he's praying and he's going to pray until something is delivered. So something comes and that's the commitment he's making. Like when, you know, I know what it's like to go in, in the room with my wife. You're there till it's done. And here's Paul, he's praying, he's in anguish and he's there. I have got to pray until Christ is formed in you. We need Christ to be formed in our churches, man, in our ministries, in our families. We need Christ to be formed. We need to go and enter into prayer like Paul and say, I'm not coming out of this until Christ is formed in me, until I'm walking like Jesus, till I'm looking like Jesus, till I have something to offer the world in the, in the ministry and fashion of Jesus Christ. And so we need anointed preaching. Come on, somebody say anointed preaching. Anointed, anointed preaching. Uh, Charles uh, Parham, you know, Charles Parham, the uh, father of the Pentecostal movement, right? hundred and some years ago now. He said, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is given to illuminate his word, to open the scriptures and to place the spiritual man in direct communication with the mind of God. To place the spiritual man in direct communication with the mind of God. Come on, that's what, peter was doing he preached beyond himself on that first day of pentecost didn't he he had things to say that he probably didn't even fully understand in his head but he's speaking by the spirit of god god has things that he when you are confronted come on what to say you'll be dragged in before governors and kings for my sake he says don't even worry about what you're going to say because at that very hour the words will be given to you This is what he said come on why because he doesn't want it to have to be The Holy Spirit in you does not want to have to limit himself to what you know. He wants to be able to use you and tell the world what he knows. (laughs) So sometimes you just don't worry about it. You go, and that's, come on, that's why I love my wife, man. She's really good at just going up there and standing there. (laughs) Me, I want to figure out like that first line, you know, I'm awkward. What am I going, you you know what I'm talking about, right? But she'll go and she'll just... Trust the Lord to give her the words. And over and over, guess why everybody loves her. And we've got a neighbor, and 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 uh her husband died uh recently. But I mean, every time we'd see something going on, an ambulance or whatever, rink him, we'd just go to her house. I mean, here's the aunt, you know, you just walk right by the MTs don't know you don't belong there. She just walks right in, stands there, and 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 they love her. Sometimes we've just got to be willing to go stand beside the chariot or go put ourselves in a place and trust that the Lord wants to use you. Because as long as you just stay by yourself and withdraw and say, I don't like them, I don't like that person, I don't like that. How are you ever going to be in a place where God can use you? The Holy Spirit, the anointing, will put you in direct communication with the mind of God. Reinhard Bonkey, I love Bonnke. Uh Corey, I think Bonkey's people were at your meeting, weren't they? Yeah. Um, big, uh, if you don't know, uh, evangelist to the continent of Africa, he's a German man, um, awesome miracles and things in his ministry, uh, millions, millions led to the Lord, uh, that man through, through their efforts, through their ministry, they've changed yeah. nations. They've truly changed nations. And he said, I have discovered that no revival comes if we don't preach the word of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So before we even preach, man, we need to seek the Lord. We need to be anointed. Amen. Amen. Um, in 1939, before World War II began, or, or as World War II was coming to um, uh, Europe, in England. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth was living in England and uh, um, Lester Summerall was also living in England. And they said, The war's coming. You're going to have to leave. And so they drove him out. And so this is the last encounter that Smith Wigglesworth had with uh, Lester Summerall. And Josh, this was a prophecy I was looking for the other day when we were in the office. I was digging it out. I found it sitting on the bookcase right over there everywhere I didn't look. But, uh, but it, it, so he goes to say goodbye him and he says this wigglesworth starts crying and there's more to it you can look it up online or you can ask me i'll give you a copy of this but he says uh uh, wigglesworth he starts crying and he says i probably won't see you again my job is almost finished and he's continuing to pray for lester summerall and uh he says what do you see what do you see because he's he's starting to you know see things in the spirit and he said i see a healing revival coming right after world war ii it'll be so easy to get people healed he said i see it i see it i won't be here for it but you will be and there was a healing revival right after the war do you you know if you're old enough to hear people tell stories because i'm not that old but you know how many of you guys know or roberts went around with a tent and and did healing and there's richard roberts his son <laughs> first time i saw your name i was like richard roberts i know that name <laughs> No, just kidding. It's not his son. But uh he does have a son named Richard. But Oral Roberts would go around in the tent and uh Jack Coe and uh I mean some of those other guys, they would um uh AA a. Allen and they would set up tents in towns and I mean e- they would even get positive coverage in the press. And they would report on the miracles and people would come and people were getting healed left and right. It was it was it was real, it was awesome. And so we did see that after World War II. And, uh, he says, I, uh, right after the war, there was this healing revival. So he continues to prophesy. I see another one. I see people of all different denominations being filled with the Holy ghost. And he said, that was the charismatic revival. Uh, God raised up people during that era, like the full boss gospel businessmen. And what happened was the, the baptism of the Holy spirit started happening in churches that were not Pentecostal churches. And, uh, you know, it divided some churches. Some churches went with it, but, but there was, it's what they called the charismatic, uh, revival. And then Brother Wigglesworth continued, I see another move of God. I see auditoriums filled with people coming with notebooks. There'll be a wave of teaching on faith and healing. And he says, we did experience that wave. It was called the word of faith movement. And I do remember that. I was, I was, I even got to go to a couple of those meetings where you sat really in the aud- They filled auditoriums with people just wanting to study the word of God. And then he prophesied after that, the third wave, and he started sobbing. I see the last day revival that's going to usher in the precious fruit of the earth. It will be the greatest revival this world has ever seen. It's going to be a wave of the gifts of the spirit. The ministry gifts will be flowing on this planet earth. I see hospitals being emptied out and they will bring the sick to the churches where they allow the Holy Ghost to move. I just want to say, I believe this is upon us now. I believe it's time for this. I believe God, that God wants me to be a part of this. Do you? I believe God wants you to be a part of this. I believe God wants to use you in these ministry gifts. I want, I, he, and so here's the thing. If he wants to use you and he wants to use me, then then when? How about right now? How about now? How about we enter into this now? Why do we have to wait? Amen. I believe that this is even happening, even happening now. We see pockets of it. We do see pockets of it. But come on, do you want to just wait until it rolls over and hits you? Or do you want to be a part of what causes it? Yeah. Right? Yes. You know, uh, I remember one person uh, talked about, do you want to be a catalyst? You know, a catalyst is is something that you put like in a chemical reaction to cause it to happen. Or do you want to be a sponge? And the sponge just sits around and absorbs the odor of everything around it. <laughs> you just want to sit there like a sponge and wait for it to roll over you. Or do you want to be a part of what what God is doing and we can be a part, but it's going to be intentional on our part. Amen. I mean, come on, when it moves in and the wave comes in, man, it's going to bless all the boats in the harbor will rise, you know, it'll bless everybody, but there will be a few who have, who have been catalysts to, to be used of God, to do what he wants to do. I don't want him to be frustrated when he looks at us as a church. I want him to feel like, like, uh, he is, he's is able to express himself fully among us. I don't want to frustrate the heart of God. I want to be that person who who works with him and cooperates with him and does what he wants to do. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I love this verse, in second Corinthians chapter three. It's one of my theme verses for me. I speak this to myself all the time. It says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves. The word sufficient there, other translations will say adequate qualified or competent i'm not sufficient i'm not adequate i'm not competent in myself to claim anything is coming from us but our sufficiency is from god who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant not of the letter but of the spirit for the letter kills but the spirit gives life i just love that because god did not intend for you and for me to live out of our own competence our own ability to be limited by our own competence see there's another supply for you there's another supply for me to do what we're supposed to do we're supposed to be ministers of the spirit of God we're supposed to cooperate with that Jesus said in John six sixty three, it's the spirit that gives life right the flesh has no help at all no help at all the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life and how many times do we speak words of natural things How many times do we try to reason things out or do things in the natural? And 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 that's fine. I believe that we should do everything we can do to help people to live a good life, to live right. But let's not do it at the expense of, of the words of God and the words of life and seeking the power of God and the spirit of God on our life. Let me ask you this. I'm talking about anointed preaching. Did Jesus, question, did Jesus ever preach at a church? When he said, go out into all the world and proclaim the gospel, do you think he had church buildings in mind? Think about it. The very miracle that gave birth to the church, think about it, happened in a place that they just called an upper room. They were in the upper room. An upper room. It was a room. I don't even think they probably had screens with words on it. (laughs) Can you even have church without screens today? Just look how far we've come, to, because now we're doing screens and words and graphics. It's cool. But before that, it was what? uh The projectors, right? The big projectors. Remember that? Because, you know, we had like first it was the hymn books, right? And then it was like, you know, we started doing the praise courses. And so we got the little papers. And, and I remember the old uh, the way they would like copy those things so everybody could have a copy. <laughs> Okay, I'm showing my age. I'm sure it was an antique machine that I was watching work when they were doing that, right? Or they put the, or they take the typewriter and they put the carbon copy paper in between and type it, you know. And then when you make a mistake, you have to white out like four layers. Yeah, and then they pass that out. I'd be on all the pews, and we, and then they finally got smart. They said, "Let's do the overhead projector," <laughs> and somebody have to sit there and change the little up in the front, right here. I mean, that's where that person has to sit, not in the back. That'd be like right here. And and yeah, but boy, we've come a long way. But I mean, here they are, the church is being birthed and it's a movement that impacted the entire world. And I mean, they don't have any of that stuff. Why? Because they had what they needed. They had the Holy Spirit. It was a Holy Spirit operation, amen? And so nothing wrong with stuff we have, but if we allow it to dictate what we can do instead of the Holy Spirit, we probably just need to come here one day and just turn everything off. Seriously, actually, we did it uh, on Christmas. <laughs> we came here and there was no power. We said, oh, we're going to have Christmas service anyway. <laughs> it was great. But, you know, we don't want the things that are, are, are useful tools. We want to keep them just tools, man. We don't want them to ever get to the place where they can hinder us, right? And then think about this, too. When the when the, when the persecution scattered the believers, wherever they went, they spoke the message and, and God backed them up because they were anointed of God. And so, like, look at this, Acts chapter 8, verse 4. It says, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to a city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds, with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. So this is what preaching and proclaiming these things. I think that even when you read these words in the Bible, they're actually more suited for out there than in here. That's where it needs to be preached and proclaimed. Here, we get together, we worship, we encourage one another, we strengthen one another. We do come to hear the word and to be encouraged and edified and built up and all that. But, but you know, we need to be proclaiming Christ where people need to hear Christ. And I think that's what God had in mind, uh, what Jesus had in mind when he sent everybody out into the world. And so meeting together is great. Um, but, you know, you're not just anointed for Sunday morning. Right. You're not, and that's, uh, come to Rick's class tonight. (laughs) Spirit-filled living in an upside down world. Why? Because you could be spirit-filled and living even out there in a world that's upside down. It's easy to be spirit-filled right here. Oh, I feel the spirit, and nobody's going to. You can be as goofy as you want. Nobody's going to c- call you out on it, or you know, challenge you, or say what do you mean. But you go out there, and you you better have the goods, amen. <laughs> you better be able to deliver something, right? You better be able to show them Jesus in some way or another, because they're not forgiving out there. But come on, the anointing is for there. So, yeah, come tonight, five thirty, and each generation. This is important. Each generation needs to be anointed for themselves. Okay? So I love what Corey's doing, you know, sharing what what happened at the youth conference. There's an arena filled with people seeking Jesus. Come on. Because each generation needs to seek it and find it for themselves. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 43, it talks about, you know, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person And Jesus says, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest, but finds none. And then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and it brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. And so also it will be with this evil generation. And so, you know, I've read that over and over and over. And I've just understood it to mean exactly what it says if a person gets free of demonic oppression or demonic activity in their life and they don't fill themselves with god with the holy spirit the demon when he comes back he finds the place empty and just moves in and takes up home and the worst place the worst the latter state of that person can be worse than the first but i saw this when i'm reading in it for the first time I, it says and so will it be with this evil generation look that he's not just speaking of an individual he is but he's also speaking of a generation here isn't that interesting i mean he's talking about just at his time this generation that he's with you know and i'm just want to tell you here in america we've our house has been swept clean and put in order because of people who have served god before us okay you get what i'm saying because generations before us followed god our house is swept clean and put in order but if we don't stay filled with the power of God, if we don't pass on and, and allow each generation to seek God and to find him for themselves, when that devil comes back and says, hey, I want, I want you, and he finds our, our culture bankrupt, devoid of the spirit of God, what's he going to do? He's going to move back in, that yoke's going to come back on us, and we're seeing that happening in our nation. I was thinking about this, and uh, some of you guys might be old enough to remember the Ronald Reagan quote. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. It was a famous quote. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It's good words, isn't it? Whoever wrote this, I don't know if he wrote it or somebody else wrote it, but you don't pass these things on. It must be fought for. It protected and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. I've got another quote for you. It says, God doesn't have grandchildren. That was my mom. What's she saying when she said this to a 10 year old kid? She's saying, you're not going to make it just because I'm, (laughs) I'm serving God. You've got to go after this yourself. You've got to seek God. You've got to become a Christian yourself. You've got to become spirit-filled yourself. I can lead you. I can help you. But you've got to take the step. Just like Ronald Reagan is saying, each generation has got to take the step. Each generation of Christians, we've got to allow our kids to experience God. And it's important. You just don't get in on your parents' coattails. You just don't. You just don't. So I have to seek him. Every generation has to seek him and be filled themselves. And the good news is this. There's a fl- there is a fresh supply for every generation. There's a fresh supply. Dwight L. Moody, here's another quote. You ready? I believe it is a mistake a great many of us are making. We are trying to do God's work with the grace that God gave us 10 years ago. We say if it is necessary, we will go on with the same grace. Now, what we want is a, I like these words here, a fresh supply. Somebody say fresh supply. A fresh anointing. anointing. And fresh power. power. And he says, and if we seek it and seek it with all our hearts, we will obtain it. I like that. You like that? There's fresh supply, fresh anointing, fresh power, and so you know Peter and John. Remember when they are praying uh, after they healed the crippled beggar? They get called to, they get called in by the f- religious leaders of the day, and and you know get threatened and all that stuff and so they gather back with the church and they're praying and they say in acts four twenty nine, look at their threats lord and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness Well, you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders be performed in the name of your holy servant jesus and when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and continued to speak the word of god with all boldness you see the word continue 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 this was a continuing experience with them they were in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 they had the Holy Spirit now they have another experience with the Holy Spirit where they're filled with the Spirit why because there is a fresh supply a fresh anointing and fresh power for you and for me and for our children and it's not that the anointing comes and goes I think sometimes when we talk like that we think well you know I'm waiting for the anointing I don't think that it's God's intention that the anointing that is on your life comes and goes and comes back and comes and goes. Look at some of these verses real quick. John 14, 15. He says, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking, you'll keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Does that sound like come and go? To be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world could not receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for what he dwells with you and will be in you. That's good, isn't it? He dwells. Dwells means he lives with you. He's not going to leave. He doesn't come and go. He's come to stay with you. First John two twenty seven. But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you. And it goes on and talks about how that anointing will teach you. Even when we're together, if you're listening to somebody speak the word, it's the Holy Spirit that is actually doing the work. We're supposed to be ministering by the power of the Spirit. Amen? You just don't don't need to know what I know or even what I think I know. What you need is the Holy Spirit. What I need is the Holy Spirit to teach me and minister to me. But look at the first part. The anointing that you received from him abides. It came to move in, man. It abides in you. And so here's the thing, because the anointing is, the anointing is flowing, because it's flowing, there's always a fresh supply, always a fresh supply. It's the difference between a river and a pond, right? It's the difference between a hose and a bucket. You get what I'm saying? It's the difference between a a power cord and a battery, right? One is stagnant. And you carry it around and, you and, know, and, and it wears out, gets empty. But one is a continuous source. It's continuously flowing. The anointing is always flowing. John 4, 14, you know, uh, the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water, a spring welling up to eternal life. John seven thirty eight. out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You see, it's the anointing that God has given us is something that's always flowing. That's why there's always a fresh supply. That's why I can always minister and you can always minister with a fresh anointing, fresh power, amen? Come on, that's good. So uh, none of these verses indicate to me that the anointing will come and go on my life for your life. But uh, when we feel like we've lost the freshness of it, maybe it's just time to realize that he's given us, you know, not a bucket, but a hose Mm -hmm. and take the time to allow him to, to, you know, so much has to do with what we put our affections on, what we think, right? What we're giving ourselves to. You, you can be anointed, but you can live just like everybody else. And I hate to say that, but it it am I yielding to that anointing that he's given me? Am I giving it uh, the lead in my life? Am I following it? Am I allowing it to work out in my life? Because I can have it, but I can... Put my affections and my time and my mind on other things and not ever yield to that gift that he's given. me. And uh, God forbid. <laughs> Amen. God forbid. One more quote for you today. Charles Spurgeon. Never try to live on old manna, on the old manna, nor seek to find help in Egypt. All must come from Jesus or thou art undone forever. Oh, this is good old fashioned language. Thou art. Old anointings will not suffice to impart unction to thy spirit. Thine head must have fresh oil poured upon it from the golden horn of the sanctuary, or it will cease from its glory. You know, you couldn't keep the old manna because God had new manna for you every single day. Fresh manna, right? So we don't have to hang on to what we did way back in the day because if you've got that river flowing in you, man, he's got new solutions, new creativity, new things, new ways right now that you've just not even thought of yet because you've not seen him do it yet. And so it's, it's, there's fresh oil for you. There's fresh oil for you, for your family and for your ministry. I want to close with these two thoughts. There's two things. Number one, Luke 11, 13. If you'll put that up, because I don't have it typed out. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you've never received that anointing, if you've not received the Spirit, what you do, you ask. You ask. How many of you guys have children who you would do anything for? If they're in pain, you would take their place. You would even do little things for them. Even the smallest little things that you, know, you would think are, God, do you really care? Will you do that for me? Come on, would you do it for your child? If you would do it for your child, then how much more? Will the the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? So number one, ask. And number two, the second principle is this. You want to grow in the Holy Spirit? It's die. Die. John 3.30. He must increase, I must decrease. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I die daily. What's he saying? I die daily. I lay this down because let's just be real, man. Sometimes the flesh, the natural is at war with the spirit. What you want to do is you want to train your flesh to do what it's supposed to do so that the spirit can do what it's supposed to do, right? That's what a mature Christian will be. We can bring our body into agreement, but still there's our very oftentimes a war between the natural and the flesh and the spirit and sometimes we've got to decide I'm going to die I'm going to lay this down my feelings there you go we don't need lights we can we've got Jesus the the feelings don't matter my i I, I don't even have a right to be offended how in the world can I let offense man get my flesh all stirred up and keep me from the anointing of God could keep me from what God has for me how can i let difficult situations just look at what other people in in the world are going through we'll look at what the disciples are going through look at what people are going through to serve jesus man we don't have the right to give into our flesh and have a pity party or 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 do we need to be willing to die so that jesus can show through us amen die to ourselves to our own agenda to our own thinking and yield to the Holy Spirit, that fresh supply, that anointing of God that he has placed in you. Amen. Father, we just love you. And I just, just raise your hands for just a minute and just ask him for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And if he brings an area to your mind where he says, man, you need to die. You need to lay this down. Give it to him. Just give it to him now. Man, don't make it hard. Don't make it hard. Let it be a quick, quick and easy death. God, I give that to you right now father god i give up my right to be hurt i give up my right to be offended i give up my right to be in unforgiveness i give up my right to my own life i give up my right my claim on my children they're going to do what you want them to do father god not what i want them to do father god may i die so that i can serve you and that the holy spirit can live big in me in jesus name in jesus name amen amen